So tonight we're going to get started. We're kind of clo- going to close out the Christmas um, series of uh, What Child Is This tonight. And, I, and I'm going to talk about the uh, Prince of Peace. But I want to do a recap of uh, what we've done in the last four weeks. And um, I started off, me and Jeff started off, and we kind of tag team the Mighty God portion of, of this series. And uh, it says, uh, pow- I, I came out and said, power is in his name. The name of God, there is power in his name. The Bible says that demons will flee at the sound of his name. So in Proverbs 22:1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. So when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He took all of the truths of God at that statement to let everybody know that I was there in the beginning. I am who you worship. I am the one that was there with you when you came out of Egypt. I am that I am. And when you say that that, when, you, when you're talking about the that, I am your lawyer. I am your, your, your doctor. I am everything that you need me to be because I am that I am. So also it says power in his blood. And I talked about the seven places that uh, Jesus um, shed his blood um, before he was crucified. And the first place was he shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, it, it says that Adam surrendered his dominion to Satan in the Garden of Eden. But by that, him sweating his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus took back dominion for what Adam had lost back in, uh, in the beginning. Number two is, is by his stripes, he took 39 lashes. 39 lashes. They say that 40 lashes are, are, are to the point that it would actually kill someone. But there are 39 root diseases in the world right now. So by his stripes, you were healed. By his stripes, you were healed. And it says, beaten and bruised. He bled on the inside for our iniquity. Jesus paid for our iniquity so that we don't have to pass those on to our children. Uh, my dad liked to call them generational curses generational curses you know he wants to break the generational curse because you don't want to pass it along but Jesus paid the price more than 2,000 years ago for that you'd have to be able to believe that and understand that he did that for you Uh, that's more important I think than it says that you were healed by his stripes it's quick for us to say that that you are healed by his stripes but to be able to 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 believe that we have uh, the curse has been broken for anything that our generation it, it carries it was done more than 2,000 years ago. Crown of thorns is that he shed his blood on his brow. Jesus paid the price for the curse of poverty. And, of course, this is not talking about uh, poverty as far as money. This is the poverty of our mind that we're thinking. Uh, and, 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 again, kind of what we talked about earlier before we started tonight was um, the enemy likes to try to uh, trap our mind to say that you can't, he, you can't be loved by God. You, you, he, you'd have done so much, there's no way that he loves you. But the devil is a liar because he, there's nothing that you can do to outrun his love. Uh, spikes in his hands is that we now have the authority in his name. He said, if you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that's the power that he has given you, the authority that he has given you in your hands itself. So it's easy for me to be able to sit up here and pray for everyone and say that I believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do for you because that's what the word says. And I believe what the word says before I would believe anything else someone else says. 
So by his, uh, the, the authority that he has given you, he has given it so you can lay hands on people. Uh, spikes in his feet. So Jesus paid the price for our peace. I like to look at it as where I step my feet at, that's what he has given me. The grounds that I have stepped my feet at, that's what I'm claiming in the name of Jesus. You know, it, it may not belong to me, but I, I believe that God has given me the authority over that by where I step my feet at. When I walk in a room, I want to walk in a room with the authority that God has given me to be able to say that I can't, I'm not going to be affected by what your chaos is going on over here. I'm not going to be affected by, by the things that you're saying over here because I know who I am in Christ. And the last thing is uh, spear in his side. It says Jesus paid the price to heal the brokenhearted. You know, I said when he, he, was, he was stuck in the side, blood and water gushed out. Those are the things that, that uh, you know, it says that that was a sign of his heart bursting because of his love for you. And how much love does he have to have that he would come down to this earth, live 33 years in a human form to know what we deal with on a day-to-day life and live sin-free and die for us on the cross for our sins? My heart would burst too. There's also power in us. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit has been sent to help us do the will of God and to strengthen us and counsel us. That's our right-hand man. That's our left-hand man. That's our man that's got our back. He is there for us. They call him the, the counselor, the comforter, I'm sorry, the comforter. He is there to, 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 to uh, be able to comfort you in your time of need. That still small voice that you would hear to be able to guide you where, where you need to go. If we are keen to hear it, that's what he is there for. He is for us. There's, the Jeff um, um, came up and, and, and was talking about the power of prophecy. Revelation 19.10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And there's power of the prophecy. It says in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, prophecy revealed around the coming of the Messiah. In the New Covenant, prophecy reveals around the return of the, of the, the Messiah. And that was the focus of it. And, that, and he talked about having a hero inside of you. And that hero inside of you lives in each and every one of us. There's a warrior inside of us. There's a champion inside of us. But we have to start believing that. We get beat down so much mentally that, 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 you know, by the enemy that, that you can't do this. You're not made for that. It's, 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 it's silly in a way, but a lot of us have to deal with that. And a lot of us uh, succumb to those things. But there is a warrior in each and every one of us. And then Hunter uh, last week, and, I, and I'm sorry I missed that. I wish I would have been here. But he, it was talking about the everlasting Father. God is immutable, uh, immutable, unchanging over time and unable to be changed. And I thank God for that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I, I thank God because I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And I'm sure I'm not going to be the same person I was, I will be, in 10 years. I thank God that no matter what I do, he's consistent. My wife, she cannot stand going out of town because I will change things up so fast in the house. 
I will move furniture. <laughs> I will, she just cannot stand. She don't even go on vacation no more by herself because of the fact that I will, if she don't like change, I love change. But I thank God that he is, he's unchangeable. To call it what, it, what you want, it says Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And he said that our confessions should be bold, consistent, and constant. It said, what you confess, you possess. You must see our Heavenly Father for who he is. See him for who he is. So we're going to start off tonight talking about the Prince of Peace. And this is taking our, our key verses, Isaiah 9, 6. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we think about, I, I want to talk about Prince of Peace. When we think about peace, a lot of us like to think about tranquility and an and, and, and area where there's no war. Um, and, and, and being able to, um, it, it says peace is something everyone wants, yet few seem to find what peace is. It can be defined as tranquility, harmony, or security. Depending on your situation, it could mean prosperity or well-being. So in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's through Christ's work that, of justification that we can have peace with God. And that peace will keep our hearts and minds secure. <clears throat> So we think about peace on a spiritual level. Uh, and I, I want to say one of the biggest things that, that we fight against, and, and we talked about it over and over tonight already, is, and, and, I, and I, at times I struggle with this early on in my Christian walk, is I don't believe I'm saved. And I, I really believe that it's a trick of the enemy to make you think, I don't feel saved today. You know, a lot of times I don't feel like getting up in the morning, but I don't feel saved today. You know, it, it, it's not a feeling. It's something that you have to know in your mind. You have to know in your mind that you, you know that Jesus died on the cross. You have confessed that with your mouth, and you believe it with your heart, that he came for you, he died for you, and he was raised up for you. Peace starts with obedience. And, and, and when I was looking through this, and I, I was starting to think, Lord, you know, where do you want me to go with this? Where, where do you want me to go with, 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 with this message tonight? And, and Jonah kept popping up. Uh, Jonah was a very interesting man. He, he, he was, he was, he's considered a prophet. Some guys don't think he's a prophet. Uh, some, some people argue that he is a prophet. Uh, for me personally, because my Bible says he's a prophet, I'm a pro he's a prophet. So... <laughs> But Jonah, it's very interesting to him that, 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 that God had gave him a, a command to do. And Jonah purposely <laughs> didn't do it. He, he, purposely, he purposely didn't do it. If you look at Jonah 1, uh, 1 through 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because his wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. 
<laughs> I, I laugh at that, but I was one that ran away from the Lord for so long. At least I thought I did. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I, many of you know my dad's a pastor, my brother is a pastor, my younger brother is a preacher, and, and uh, I did everything I could to stay away from that. I, I, I ran and ran and ran, and, 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 you know, it's so funny because you think you're running from God, but he is setting you up. <laughs> He's going to get what he wants out of you regardless. Uh, and, and, and so I called myself trying to come here to, to, to Lake Fork because I wanted to fish all year round, and, you know, which you, you, all of you know. Uh, and then I met this man called Joel T. Meyer. And he saw what, what everyone else saw in me and that I was trying to run from. And, 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 and now that I'm, I'm doing the calling I believe God has on my life, it makes you wonder why didn't you do it a lot sooner? Why didn't you do it a lot sooner? There's, there's many of you in here that God has a calling on your life. God has already instilled something deep inside of you and he has given you a task that only you can, can accomplish. No one else can do that. You can run from it or you can embrace it. But when you embrace it, I can tell you the rewards of heaven are amazing. The rewards of heaven are amazing. But to get back here to Jonah, he ran. He was like, there ain't no way I'm going. And there's a, there's a history kind of behind that. Uh, Nineveh was kind of uh, Israel's biggest enemy. So this would be, you know, like me walking into Russia and telling uh, um, Putin, dude, you need to straighten up. God is, God is, God is after you. God is going to destroy you. I can kind of understand that to an extent. But he ran and tried to go find shelter elsewhere. You know, God, God is telling you, you know, you, you need to go do this. You, you see this person over in Walmart, you need to go tell them that I love them. Just a simple task. The funny thing is, he is not going to do something and have you do something to make you fail. He is not going to set you up to put you in a position that you're going to fail. He is going to set you up. And I, I love Mitch's testimony one night. He said, you know, God had, had put me in a place. I was getting gas, and out of nowhere, this guy come, comes, and, and, he, and I got to talking to him, and the Lord put something on my heart, and, 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 and it was for this particular person. This guy was from Oklahoma, and what he was doing way over here, I don't know, but he was from Oklahoma, and, and he felt that God was calling him into the ministry. So he was coming to Dallas to come and look for a seminary, a particular seminary to go to. And the word that Mitch had for him was what he needed to hear at that time. And Mitch got back in the car, and, and the nice thing, the, 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 the thing that I loved he said was, God said, you think I was going to make it hard for you? How many times have we been in that situation where, where, where God has told you to do something, you didn't do it, he got someone else to do it, and you missed out on your blessing? God, it, that happened to me a couple Sundays ago. But, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking too much in my mind, thinking, no, this is not, this is not from, no, I, I know the situation, no. And it was what God wanted me to do. I missed my blessing when someone else was able to get theirs. But talking about Jonah, Jonah was, by running, basically he was insubordinate. He told God, you want me to go where? Peace, I'm out. So he, he was, I, I, I don't want nothing to do with that. There's nothing. 
Nothing you can say or do is going to make me get up and go to Nineveh and tell them what you want. As a matter of fact, I want you to destroy them. I don't want nothing. I, I hope you wipe the first face of the earth with them. You know, and, and, and we will get a little bit more into that, but, you know, the, the, the kind of the hatred, if you will, toward that. If you see somebody, their life, where they're not living a godly life, and you want to, you know, you, you tell them, God loves you, God loves you, and they still is not doing what they um, are, are supposed to be doing according to the, the word of God here, uh, it is still your job to love those people. It is still go, your job to be able to have them see God in you. By you telling them something may not be, be, be the, um, the thing to push them into the right direction, but by them seeing God's love in you will change them and change their direction. So because God does not make terrible things happen to you to punish you, but the actions you, you take cause you to be a, in situations that are less than great. And I, and I, can, I, can, <laughs> I can vouch for that. Um, when you run... You're going to make decisions for your life that is not in the will of God. That doesn't mean that he does not love you, but also that doesn't mean that he is going to put you in a situation or a bad situation to punish you. I love what Joel says. Heaven is not broke that he needs to be doing something like that for you uh, to, to, to scare you into the, key, the kingdom. Heaven is not broke, bankrupt for that. But because of the decisions that you make in your life, you have to suffer the consequences. God is going to get the glory out of it regardless if you do what he needs you to do or if you run. He is still going to get the glory out of it. And we'll see that later on in here. It says, uh, and, and, and Adam is a, was another one that, that um, you know, kind of fought, fell under that, that trap of being disobedient. In Genesis 2, 16, 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, let me repeat that. And the Lord God commanded the man, because we, 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 we tend to miss that, you know, um, and, and Adam was, was big at it, too, and God came looking for him. He was like, hey, the woman gave me this. <laughs> he, she the one that, she, she hooked me up with this. I, I don't know, you know, and, and he, but he couldn't do that because he, it, was his, it was his charge that God gave him not to touch it. So getting back into it, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What's that you say, God? I can't, I, I can't sit here. I can have any other chair in here that I want, but I can't sit here. That's easy. This is nice. I can't see the stage that well. So. <clears throat> you know, we think that, that that charge is easy for Adam. But how many times in our life are we dealing with that every day? Oh, this is really nice. Uh, I can't sit and watch Mitch stomp all night, so <laughs> try to find another spot. And... Huh? No. no. Um, maybe. Maybe. Derek, Lord, I, I didn't see it. I was just looking. I was just looking at it. No, he don't 
And this is perfect. And it was perfect to Adam until God came looking for him. It was perfect for him until God came looking for him. Adam. Adam. And Adam's hitting behind a tree somewhere trying to cover himself up because now he's shamed that he sees that he is naked. And there is no peace inside of Adam because he is hiding from him. Because God, now his eyes have been revealed and he knows that he has sinned uh, 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 against God. There are times in our life when we know, man, this fruit is good. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit more. And, and, and we know that that's not something that God wants us to be in. That's, we know that that's not something God wants us to indulge in. But we do it anyway. Just a little bit won't hurt. Just a little bit won't hurt. Uh, just, 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 just a little bit of this, this drug does not hurt. Just a little bit of this alcohol does not hurt. A little bit may not hurt, but a lot of it will. A lot of it will. You will find yourself in situations just by a little bit that will cause you to get yourself separated from what God has called you to be. That will cause you to not have peace inside of you because you're doing something that is not in accordance to what God has called you to be. So Adam had a choice, obey God or not. Simple as that. And with that choice, he was found to be naked. And when they heard God walking through the garden, there was no peace in them. So get back to Jonah. There's peace in the storm. And I love this. There's chaos in your life. There's chaos all around you. It may not be with you, but there's chaos all around you. Jonah 1, I'm sorry, it was actually, yeah, Jonah 1, 4, and 5, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose, and the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out, on his own, cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the, the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And I'm going to go back up here just, just a quick so it says, And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. How many times have you <laughs> had something in your life that you know you needed to clean up? And you cleaned up everything else around it to still hold on to that to that one thing now for us guys growing up it could have been that girl it could have been that woman you know you know every time you get around her it's chaotic god has already told you that's not the one for you but we wanted to try to hold on to because she's pretty she's got a little money she's got a good job and everything else, you will, you will get all your friends out of your life who were actually the ones trying to tell you that she's not right for you. The, the, the people who are trying to stir you in the right direction, then what do you do? You find yourself uh, coming to church a lot less. You find yourself being involved with your family a lot less because you still want to try to hold on to that one thing. So you got to, you know, this is where, and they were trying to do everything else, throwing everything overboard. And, 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 and really, the whole cost was Jonah. 
who was downstairs sleeping. <laughs> he was sleeping through all of this. And he was the cause of it. <clears throat> Since when you put our problems in God's hands, he puts his peace in our hearts. He said that the storm gets our attention. It says when the storm comes, we are forced to face problems and pressures that are too big for us to resolve. And this way God gets our attention. So it kind of magnifies things. By the time everything around you breaks down, whatever it may be, that one thing that you want to hold on to magnifies. Then you begin to see the light. You know, it's funny what you say is when you hit rock bottom, the only place you get to look is up. And when we look up, that's when we want to call on God. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. We'll get a little bit more, talk to a little bit more into that. But he was in the belly of the fish three days. And, and uh, while he was there, he figured his life was over. That was it for me. Now he wanted to repent. Now he wanted to make things straight. Now he wanted to have peace in his heart. So the storm points out our weaknesses and prompts us to rely on God in ways that we wouldn't unless we had significant needs. Christ's invitation to those who are weary becomes very attractive in the midst of trials. You know, and, and we see this a lot uh, here at the church, and, 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 and rightfully so. This is what the church is for, is people come through the doors in crisis. They come through the door in, in, in need and need help because there's nowhere else to turn. This is where the peace of God has to rest in this building to be able to show them peace that they've been missing all their life. This is where we are. And Jonah, and this is, um, I think I got the right, actually Jonah 3, 14 to 6, says, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done, done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At that, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, we get to that point is they go and wake Jonah up. They said, dude, what's wrong with you? We're about to die here, and you're sleeping. Uh, you need to pray to your God because we need to figure out what's going on here because this just comes out of nowhere. And, and Jonah, Jonah went in and said that, um, you know, this is me, fellas. I'm the, one, I'm the reason for this. If you throw me overboard, this will stop. In the midst of our trials, the things that we are going through our own self, we don't realize that people are watching us. Their lives are getting changed by what they see out of us and how we affect an adversity. Peace does not come without adversity. Peace does not come without adversity. What I mean by that is you can have peace in your heart, but that doesn't mean that all adversity is going to stop around you. How we respond in that adver adversity is, is, is what makes us stronger. And it says uh, we are overcome by the words of our testimony. And this is where this is, comes that those guys on that ship that was, that was selling, him, selling with him, and I said, this God is going to get his glory regardless. He was able to shine through this whole situation, and now new people have come to him for salvation through this whole situation. And he still got Jonah to do what he needed to do, despite taking a detour, despite trying to run from God. 
So the peace of God displayed for others to witness. Little did Jonah know that the man, men in the boat with him would come to know God from his stubborn, hard head. So it's never a punishment. You run, you, you do what you do that is not in the will of God. It is never a punishment. It might be a consequence of what you did, but it's never a punishment. And God wants to use that situation to save somebody else. He wants to use that, that, that incident that you're in to give somebody else hope in their life. And this reminds me of another story that um, is kind of related to Jonah. And, and, and it's found in Luke 8, 22-25. It says, On that day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the, into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke, woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm succeeded and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. And another, another of the gospel says he got up and said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And I, I was, um, my last trip, I actually flew to Boston, and I, you guys know my story of being in first class and whatnot. Uh, I was actually in first class, and this was probably by far, after flying for 18 years, was the worst flight I've had in ever. And this was four weeks ago. And the plane literally was at a 45-degree angle. And it was shaking so violently, I thought for sure the the, the oxygen mask was going to fall down. But I'm in, face, in first class freaking out, <laughs> scared to death because I've never been in nothing like that. So I called myself looking at the window so nobody wouldn't see me like, peace be still, peace be still, peace be still. And it wouldn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, and I, I, laugh at it, I laugh at it now, especially after we landed, and that... Um, I was, I was able, uh, it, I had so much fear overcome me, and I'm trying to talk it into existence and not believing it into existence, not having the faith to, to do it. And, 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 I, and I said that in, in one of my messages a while back, it says, um, faith starts where courage stops. I needed my courage to build me up for that. But it's, and they said that in, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds, the water, and they obey him. I want to say, who is this? He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my Counselor. He is my Everlasting Father. He is my Prince of Peace. He's my doctor, he's my lawyer, he's my mom, he's my dad. He's everything to me that I need him to be. How about you? Do you know him? Do you know him in your life for yourself as your personal Savior? Is, is, is he everything that you need him to be and more? He is my Superman. He is the guy I call on when I need help. He is the guy I call on when I need a friend. He is the guy I call on when I need someone to talk to. He is my everything. He is, he is everything to me that he needs to be. So it says, no Jesus, no peace. And to know Jesus is to know peace. 
So if our worship team can come, we're going to kind of close up tonight. But I, I, I want you guys to, to, to really think about peace. What does peace actually mean to you? What does salvation, peace in your salvation mean to you? Are you fighting your battle with your mind with the enemy? It's just, just telling you that you're not this, you're not that, or you can't accomplish this, you can't do that. Do you have peace within yourself? In Jonah 3, 1 through 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I don't believe that we have to be in a position of desperation in order to call on the Lord for help. He should be our first phone call, if you will. He should be the one that we call on first because we have assurance, we have peace inside of us that he is going to do what words, the word said he's going to do.